We've been, uh, last several weeks, we've been doing a series on why Jesus came. And, uh, you know, he came to seek and to save the lost. And he, he came to, dis- to destroy the works of the devil. And we covered that. And then he also, do, do what? Okay, children's church is dismissed. Only children now. I'll tell you what, this last week, I've, uh, I've always appreciated Robert, Pastor Robert, but especially today I appreciate him because I, <laughs> oh well, you heard it, so there you go. So Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, that he did. He also came to reveal the Father and to show, his, show us God's will. And today, just before we enter Easter, we're going to see that Jesus came to deliver us from darkness to light. And that really is an amazing thing because you pick your darkness. All of us were in darkness at some point. And we think, well, no, no, I wasn't really bad, bad. I wasn't really, you know, down in the dumps and in a dark place. No, I mean, if when you come to the light, you see how dark it was. Those of you who know the Lord Jesus as Savior, you can remember that day. Although the light came on, the, the light bulb came on, and praise God that it did. I want to read to you some verses out of John and, and some out of the, out of the rest of the New Testament. Uh, John 1, uh, verse 5, 1 John 1, 5, says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Praise God, there's no darkness at all in him. And we are cleansed from our sin when we know Jesus. John eight twelve. Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Praise him again. I don't have to walk in darkness anymore. I don't have to be dominated by the sin that I had in my life. He gave me the power to, to be an overcomer. When the Holy Spirit came in and, and sealed me, he'd been changing my life as he's changed many of you. The light of the world. John three nineteen. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Isn't it interesting how sometimes you walk into a room, and if you are an outspoken Christian, or a Christian that gives testimony, sometimes by what you don't do, and by what you do do, is there something you walk into a room, and the people get quiet, or they change their vocabulary, or <laughs> I think you've been there. 
They change the tone of voice. It's interesting, and that's the Holy Spirit, that the light that we have, where we're shining, and it makes people uncomfortable. Now, we're not trying to be, make people uncomfortable. I just live in the light. And, uh, you know, we should be shining for Jesus. In fact, we're going to get into this today about how you share your faith. And we're going to see that through the Apostle Paul here in just a little bit. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5 says this, We are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 13. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him, Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He rescued us. Sometimes I think we forget that. He rescued us from ourself, from our selfish way that we live. He rescued us from trusting in whatever it is. We're going to find out that Paul trusted in his religion. Uh, Paul trusted in the law and thought that if he could just keep his religion, all the rules and regulations and all those things, that he would be okay. But he wasn't. And he's the one that wrote 2 Corinthians 4 and now in Colossians 1. He knows what it means to be rescued, to have the blinders on and to have the blinders come off. And then lastly, before we get to the passage, we're going to be covering 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. Children of the light, we should be staying awake and being self-controlled shows out that light, the reflection of the light that we have on the inside from him. So we're going to see this uh, played out, another testimony about light and darkness and the testimony of the Apostle Paul when he's called before the king. And he actually being called before a governor and uh, two governors, Felix first, and then Felix left office, and Festus took his place, and they didn't know what to do with Paul. They just didn't know what to do with him because the Jews had accused him of something worthy of death. Festus, he, he, he examined him and he said, I don't see anything at all worthy of death. He just claims that some dead, some dead man's alive, which goes to show what they thought about Jesus. He wasn't the son of God. He thought of him only as a dead man. And so King Agrippa and his wife Bernice, they come into town and uh, King Agrippa says, you know, I'd like to examine this guy. You see, the light that he's shown all over to this point, and this is getting towards the end of his, of his life, has been out there, and he was the man who you once persecuted the church, and now he's to a total turnaround, a total turnaround. The church he was persecuting, he's now promoting. And so he's asked to to hear the man himself, and Festus says, well, you'll hear him tomorrow. So if you have your copy of the scripture, it will be in Acts, uh, actually beginning with verse 20, 
chapter 25, Acts 25, beginning with verse 23. There will be a fair amount of reading today, but it's really a story and something we need to listen to and pay attention to. Because the fact of the matter is, of all the surveys and polls that have been taken, half, half the people that claim to be Christians don't ever share their faith. And, you know, that makes me wonder, is a profession real? I've uh, gone to many homes, and I'm not picking on anyone in particular, but I have noticed consistently that I've never been approached ever in my 40 years of ministry, never been approached by a Catholic to share their faith. Not once. Now, when I've gone door to door and I've knocked on their doors and I've talked to them, uh, they're usually not interested. And I'll ask, well, what do you believe? And I, I only had one. Now, I'm talking about dozens and dozens of encounters with, with people of the Catholic faith and only one actually shared what his faith was. And then I think, well, what about the, the Christian I'm talking about a Christian that lives the Christian life, one who's been rescued out of darkness into light. I don't want to show a hands, but when's the last time you told anybody about your faith? Faith, even if it's the wrong faith, should be shared. If it's important to you, it should be shared. And so Paul has been brought out of darkness into light and he's been shining that light and now he's wanting, they're wanting to put him to death because of the faith that he has. So let's pick up in chapter 25 of Acts and verse 23. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the auditorium with the military commanders and prominent men of the city. When Festus gave the command, Paul was brought in. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all men present with us, you see this man. The whole Jewish community has appealed to me concerning him, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he should not live any longer. I found that he had, done not, he had not done anything deserving of death, but when he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. I have nothing definite to write to my Lord about him, Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after this examination is over, I may have something to write. For it seems unreasonable to me to send a prisoner without indicating the charges against him. Let's pray together. Father, I, I pray that you'll wake us up who have been asleep. We were saved for more than just being a good person after salvation. We were saved to give your word out. We were saved to give you out. And Lord, may we not sleep, but may we wake up and give this life-transforming, light-giving salvation of the gospel to those in our sphere of influence. May we not be afraid. May we not be ashamed. 
May we overcome the obstacles that keep us from doing that or tempt us to, to not do that, to share our faith. Lord, I thank you that you still save people. I thank you that you still change lives. But most importantly, I thank you that you forgive sin, which we all need. And so I pray you'll speak to us through your word. I thank you for the testimony that you wrought in the Apostle Paul and the writing of this passage. Ask for your blessing on it, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the, the part we just read, a big thing is going on. This is, a, this is will be like if, if our president passed through Rockville and was going to make a stop, that would be a big deal. There would be Secret Service people coming ahead and making sure everything's okay. They would hang out, make sure the president was okay. It would be a big deal. It would be with great pomp. Uh, but to bring it a little more, more closer to home, was it uh, a week ago Saturday, I think, uh, the, the high school basketball team won the semi-state. And, you know, we live on the highway here. And all of a sudden, on Saturday night, we, <laughs> we hear all these sirens. What is going on? And there was a whole line of bringing those, those boys home. And with all the lights and sirens going, you know, it was, it was a big deal. Well, this was a big deal. They're all together, and they're all going to court. And all the big people are there, but it's interesting that he said, the whole Jewish community has appealed to me. Now, this is how much hatred they had for the Apostle Paul. Why did they hate him so much? Because he was once on their side. He was once trusting in the Pharisaic rules and regulations, in being a good person and having the position that he had. And then he said, you know what? Nobody gets saved by the law. The law didn't save anybody. The law actually condemns us because it shows us that we're sinners. And by the way, you need to trust in this man, Jesus Christ, the son of God, who died for you and rose again from the dead for you. And it requires submission which nobody really likes. That's a, that's a naughty word. If you want, to, you want to know a bad S word, that's it. Submission. This is why people don't come to Christ. They don't want to submit to him. Jesus means change. So Paul's ready to give his defense. Acts 26, verse 1. Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and began his defense. Now, before we begin, I want to, we've covered some a long time back, but when you share your faith, you need to share what your life was like before you came to Christ. Why did you even have to come? And that should involve your sin. That your sin had separated you from God. And so we take time to, to share what our life was like before we came to know Christ, the reason for knowing him. Then we say how we came to know Christ to receive forgiveness of sin. And then what's our life like right now? And that's a good uh, pattern to follow when you're sharing your faith so that people can see, you know, I'm just an ordinary Joe. I really am. I'm just an ordinary Joe. I was lost as a goose and God convicted me of my sin 
And at the same time he brought conviction to my sin, he also showed me his love for me, which I didn't understand. All I knew was I was guilty of rebelling against God. And yet, how, what's this love about? He, he was drawing me to himself. And then by faith, he showed me I couldn't clean my life up. I couldn't make it good enough. That's why you have to have Jesus. He paid it all. So here he goes. Here's his life before Christ. Acts 26, verse 2. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially since you are very knowledgeable about all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. All the Jews know my way of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own people and in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand on trial because of the hope in what God promised to our ancestors, the promise our 12 tribes hope to reach as they earnestly serve him night and day. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Why do you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? In fact, I myself was convinced that it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I actually did this in Jerusalem, and I locked up many of the saints in prison since I had received authority for that from the chief priests. When they were put to death, I was in agreement against them. In all the synagogues, I often punished them and tried to make them blaspheme. Since I was terribly enraged at them, I pursued them even to foreign cities. I guess you would call him intolerant. If you don't believe like I do, if you're not going to be a Pharisee, but instead you're going to claim this dead man raised from the dead and that you need him for salvation, we don't want any of that. And sadly, in our modern times, uh, this isn't even political just the way it is. It's getting to the point where if you don't believe a certain way, you're out. If you don't believe in a certain system, you're minimized or you're squelched. That's exactly what Paul was doing. His name was Saul then. But he said, hey, if you don't believe like we do, we're going to lock you up. This is his own testimony. I'm not making this up. He locked them up, and then when it got really bad, and they said, you know, you don't even deserve to live. You, 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 need, to go, you need to die for your faith. And what's it say he did? He, his own testimony says, I was in agreement against them. And not only that, he was terribly enraged. Did you notice that? In verse 11, I was terribly enraged at them. And I just didn't get him to leave town. He went after them. 
You know, sometimes in, in uh, you know, I've been doing some ride-alongs with our local police and everything, and, and when a guy gets in trouble, or a gal gets in trouble, they'll leave. They'll, they'll, they'll go to another county, and, and they, they don't pursue them. They usually don't pursue them. As long as they're out of the county, and as long as they're out of our state, well, whatever, you know, let somebody else deal with them. That wasn't the case here with, with, uh, with Paul. He hated these Christians so much. He hated this faith so much. Why? Because it went against his self-work. After all, he was a good person. You ask anybody in town, and Paul would be, he was one of the elites. He kept the law. He kept the rules. He walked the line. He had position. He had power. And Jesus said, doesn't work. No flesh will be justified by works. And you know, you take a good person, basically what we would call a good person in society, and you tell them that they've sinned against God, and they say, oh, 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 wait a minute. Are you calling me a bad person? I remember one of the Bible studies Lori and I had in uh, Mexico. We went door to door and offered to have Bible studies in the homes. And uh, this one lady allowed us to come in and we had a disciple with us. Uh, we had a young man. He's probably 25 years old. He wanted to be an evangelist or a missionary. And I said, well, why don't you just hang out with us? And so he went with us, and we went into this lady's home. And I don't remember her name. I don't know if you do or not. But she was a grandma and a really nice lady. And we started the scripture for several weeks. But you know what? At some point in time, you have to get to the gospel or you're really not doing missions. And so one day, I still remember very clearly, I looked at her and I, and I said her name. I said, you know what? You are no doubt a good mother to your kids. And there is no doubt that you're a really good grandmother to your grandkids. And on top of that, you're a good host because here you have these two Americans coming in. You're, you're a good host. You're, you're, you're welcoming. You're a good person. And then I dropped the hammer. I said, but you're also a sinner. What do you think she did? She went like this. You see, we just can't be good enough. And we trust in our goodness, and we trust in our rule keeping, and we trust in staying out of trouble. We still need Christ. So Saul, he, he didn't leave them alone. Once he found out they were Christians and they left town, he, went, he, he chased them down. And he had authority from the scribes to go do it. Oh, but we got some good news. We get to the good news now. That he tells his life before how, how good he thought he was and how how zealous he was for his faith that he had at that time. And then when we get to verse 12, we get some really, really good news, and he, he sure does. I was traveling to Damascus under these circumstances with authority and a commission from the chief priest, King Agrippa. While on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those traveling with me. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic, Saul, 
Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I asked, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from what? From darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What he didn't say in there was that he was blinded, had to be led by the hand into Damascus. And there he was told, and I'll just read a, a portion of this verse to you, and there he was told, this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites, Jews. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Right off the bat, when he's blinded, and he goes in, he's, he's still waiting to receive his sight. Ananias goes in, lays his hands on him, bring, gives him sight again, and then tells him, this is what you're going to have. This is your life. We never need to present a gospel that says it's going to be a bed of roses. We should never do that. Because if that's what people put, put their hope in, oh, if I trust Jesus, then my life's going to get better. Not so for the Apostle Paul. When he trusted Christ, his life got worse. By human standards, it got worse. The target went on his back, and now he's on trial to be put to death. Now, this is a, this is a death trial. Wow, what a dramatic call. That's how he came to know Jesus. Jesus revealed himself to him on the road when he was persecuting the church. You see, that's the love of God. Paul made mention of it several times that he didn't deserve to be called an apostle because he persecuted the church of God. He called himself the chiefest of sinners. Now, now listen to this. The chiefest of sinners, and he was a good person. By, by all societal standards, he was a good person. But he called himself the chief of sinners because he persecuted the church of God. You see, the love of God, even though he persecuted the church, it's one thing to steal. It's one thing to lie. It's one thing to do all the other break the other eight or nine commandments or whatever. That's one thing. But to persecute the church who Jesus died for? Wow, that's, that's, that's pretty radical. And to think that God would reach out to him and interrupt his life. What a blessed interruption. He interrupted his life. And he interrupted so he could take him out of darkness into light. I want to read that one. 
He says, I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Why? That they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's the key. We all need to receive forgiveness of sins. Whether you're a Pharisee, a rule keeper, a religious person, a zealous person, or whether you're a thief, or whatever. That's what we need, because it's a heart condition. Jesus died for the heart condition. So he meets Jesus right there on the road to Damascus. And he goes into town and receives his sight, and he gets his marching orders. And he has been, perse- he has been persecuted as a Christian ever since. And now he's on trial for his life. Yes, this is a death trial. He didn't kill anybody. Isn't that interesting? That simply because of his faith, he was going to, they wanted to give him the death sentence. He didn't murder anybody. It wasn't manslaughter. It wasn't first degree murder, second degree murder. It wasn't third degree murder. No, it's simply because he had faith that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and that he'd receive forgiveness of sins. So now what about his life afterwards? Verse 19, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first and to those in Jerusalem and in all of the region of Judea and to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works worthy of repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple And we're trying to kill me. To this very day, I have had help from God, and I stand and testify to both small and great, saying nothing other than what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah must suffer, and that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. You see, when you tell somebody that they're a sinner, it's offensive especially when they think they're a pretty good person. It's offensive. But it was so offensive to them that as he said, here we go again, verse 21, for this reason, when he was preaching repentance, trust Christ, give him your life, receive forgiveness. When he's preaching that, he says, for this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and were trying to kill me. Are we living a life, I say we, are we living a life, not because we're trying to, but we're just living the life and it offends people. I'm not talking about being intentionally offensive. I'm talking about living a life, as he says, that's worthy because we repented. We don't do those things anymore. And it makes people uncomfortable. Have you made anybody uncomfortable lately? Not because you're trying to, but just because you're being a light. Well, the last thing uh, you should do in your testimony is invite people to receive Christ. Let's look at verse 24, and we'll wrap up. 
As he was saying these things in his defense, Festus exclaimed in a loud voice, You're out of your mind, Paul. Too much study is driving you mad. But Paul replied, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. By the way, he was respectful. Okay? If somebody calls you crazy, are you going to be respectful back? If they're going to call you a nutcase or a, a madman, a madwoman, how are you going to respond to that? Good point here. I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. On the contrary, I'm speaking words of truth and good judgment. For the king knows about these matters, and I can speak boldly to him. For I am convinced that none of these things has escaped his notice since this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? No answer. In other words, do you believe the word of God? That the Messiah would come? No answer. And then Paul says, I know you believe. Agrippa said to Paul, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? In other words, do you think that just because you're giving me this testimony, I'm going to become a Christian? Paul's response, I wish before God, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to, today, to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. He put it all out there. You see, Jesus gave us all for us. And when Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus, Paul gave his all to him. When he saw that he couldn't overcome his sin, when he saw that he was trusting in the wrong thing and realized he needed Jesus for forgiveness of sin. And now he's inviting Agrippa in all their, all their present to become as he is, a believer in Christ, except that he's bound up with chains. So he, he shared his life before receiving Christ. And then he, received, he told how he received Christ, how he met him, and then also what he did with it afterwards. So where are you today? Are you even in the ballpark, so to speak? Are you able to give a testimony of, the, of receiving the grace of God that gives forgiveness of sin? And then if he has initiated a relationship with you, have you responded to him in faith as Paul did? And then if you did, have you told anybody about it? Because whether we think so or not, we can look at people and we would say, they're not walking in darkness. They have a good life. They have a home. They have transportation. They may even have a boat. They've, they've got everything. They're, they're, they're okay. They're good. No. No, Paul had all those things too. And he said he was in darkness. And it's really at the point of the gospel that all of us, me too, all of us, get nervous because we don't want to tell anybody the bad news and why you need the good news. 
again, because it's offensive. It's one thing to talk to the guy in a gutter who's lost everything, has no hope, maybe homeless. Oh yeah, that guy really needs the gospel. No, no, no. Good people need the gospel. Have you shared it? Are you living a life that makes people wonder what is going on in their heart? Why don't they use that foul language anymore? Why don't they tell dirty jokes anymore? Why are they talking about doing good things for people? Why are they talking about giving things to people and serving people? It matters how we live. It really does. Because people are watching. So what stage are you in? Are you lost today? Living in rebellion against God? Well, you may not be shaking your fist at him, but... You're living selfishly, sinning against God and sinning against others. And then Christian, are you living the life that's worthy of repentance and willing to take the risk of sharing your faith with others? Let's stand together. Father, I thank you that you call us out of darkness into light. And Lord, I pray that in the community and the people we are around, that you would reveal to many that they really are in darkness, even amidst their self-approved goodness. And may we who know you be light bearers, to shine the light of Christ on them by telling what you've done for us and why you did what you did for us because we needed you. So Lord, I pray that you'll wake us up out of this uncompassionate, uncaring heart for others that we know biblically that are on their way to be condemned to hell without you. So we may, may we take your salvation that you freely gave to us seriously to share with others. Lord, we don't even have the want to, so I pray that you'll give us the hearts that want to because we don't have it sometimes. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.